0: How's it going? I'm Spencer and welcome to This and Chat, the interview podcast with entertaining and offbeat questions. My guest this week is Toronto-based camera YouTuber Mark Bennett. Mark has a passion for comedy in cameras and shares some fun stories with me on this episode. So sit back, get ready to laugh and learn something new about Mark Bennett. All right, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
1: I'm just trying to straighten out my V-neck here. I want to present myself properly to your public. I, I'm I'm doing great. How How about yourself, Spencer?
0: Ah, uh, not doing too bad. Thank you. Just uh, excited to have you on and talk to you about cameras and life and whatnot.
1: This is pretty much all uh, I'm good for anyway. Talk about cameras. Anything else? I got, I got nothing to say.
0: All right. We'll try to get through this. then.
1: It's gonna be, It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough.
0: All right, Mark. So. I usually kick off all my interviews with this question and it is what kind of kid were you what kind of things were you interested in and maybe do you have a funny story that kind of sums up what kind of kid you were
1: hmm generally my stories aren't very funny Uh, ironically um, I my whole life was about being a comedian wanted to be a stand-up comedian my whole life and uh that is what i do in case you don't know or the rest of the world doesn't know that's uh, my job my day job is stand-up comedy and uh but i when i was a kid i also knew i wanted to do stand-up comedy but here is the funny not so funny story that uh about that is that when i was five years old i didn't know what stand-up comedy was as most five-year-olds do not and one of my friends was playing and he said, you are so funny, you are going to be a stand-up comedian. And I didn't know what that was, but I liked that he called me funny. So I was like, "Ah, yeah, I am. And it turns out he was right. This guy, I don't know what he's doing in life. We've lost touch, but uh, this guy can call it because uh, stand-up comedy from when I was a kid. So class clown, classic, you know, I was, I was a good kid. I did well in school. My parents were very hopeful let's call it hopeful let's put it nice nice spin they were hopeful i would do well no pressure at all but my brother and sister they both did well in school i did well in school but what i was interested in was making people laugh at school so then i um i would do that but i would pick my spots but i was certainly the class clown uh, yearbooks, all that stuff. out. Oh, Mark's going to be a comedian. It's just, there was no secrets about it. It's what I wanted to do. I liked being funny, or at least trying to be funny. And, uh, I was good at public speaking. All of my speeches in high school, they were all, um, really comedy routines. And, um, I had already bombed long before I'd ever stepped on stage as a stand-up comic. Because, uh, wh- if you progress in the public speaking world, at least back in, uh, the 19, uh, let's say 2010s, not 1980s. Because I'm super, super youthful. But uh, back in the 80s, uh, all the speeches had to be very serious. So when you got to the regionals or the whole province was there and the judges were big time judges, if you had a silly speech, you were a pariah. You were the worst guy in the room. So I was doing my, I had gotten there with my funny speech, but I didn't know that that was super inappropriate for uh the venue and uh dead silence so i was just i mean it was it scarred me i'm still thinking i'm talking to you about it right now and so the when people are like hey what's your worst stand up bomb i'm like before i started stand up it was when i was uh uh, 12 years old and it never left me but anyway i don't know if there was a funny story in there about me being a child but uh that's it
0: all right, Mark, I got to ask you, because as another Torontonian, uh, I noticed in a couple of your videos, you're wearing, uh, I believe, a North Toronto hockey hat. And right. I, I grew up right in that area, just south of North Toronto Memorial Centre. So I got to right. ask. Forest Hill? Yeah, just that area, mm-hmm. uh, Young and Davisville, Young and Angleton area. So yep. was that your neck of the woods when you are growing up in Toronto?
1: No, no, I did not grow up in Toronto. Um as uh, some Canadians might have picked up on by now, I have a uh, very nasally leprechaun accent. I'm from uh, Newfoundland. I got born and raised in Newfoundland. I stayed there for 24 years till I graduated university. And then I moved to Ottawa, started stand-up, moved to Toronto, moved to Los Angeles, then moved back to Toronto. But I, uh, North Toronto. The reason I have the North Toronto stuff is that, uh, although I look like I'm 25 years old, my um, my son, uh, is, uh, plays for North Toronto. So he's, uh, we, we go to the hockey games there. He's, he's, he's young. He just started last year. He's five. But, uh, North Toronto is our arena.
0: I was going to ask you, in terms of your stand up comedy, what is your favorite joke you've done or like part of routine that you've really enjoyed it doesn't necessarily you don't have to do the whole thing but you can maybe just give us the premise of it uh it's tough it
1: it changes it evolves over time you're usually you know you're often proud of what you just did and uh you like i like the slice of life stuff and so the stuff that started to get me, I'm not going to say popular, but the stuff that helped me graduate to becoming a full-time professional, uh, a lot of it was about my growing up and my father. So my dad has, um, I was about to say had, but he didn't grow it back. My dad has had had one leg and still has one leg. He's just, it's, it has stayed singular. And, um, and so the jokes... Um, basically, because I'm not totally PG on the old stand-up, but so basically, uh, in a nutshell, it was uh, growing up with my dad, uh, no matter what you did, if you played a game of softball and you got hit with the ball and you lay down on the field, you start crying, your dad comes out and he says, oh, that must hurt, Uh, but let me ask you this, do you still have both of your legs because it seems like you're crying enough that you lost one of your legs. Maybe? No? No? And so it was just, it was that all through my childhood going, so you you feel like that's a problem. Well, what if I just took one of your legs away? Do you think that would be a bigger problem? And so it it was, there's some stories about dad and, and the way he was and he's like the nicest guy in the world but he did remind me and I liked it. It was perspective. It was like, yep, you're right, you're right, I have a bruise, but uh, I can still run down the field, and uh, he can't. So it was the type of thing where you go... It, it taught me from an early age, sometimes people have real problems, and so you might feel bad right now, and that's okay, but remember, this isn't a real problem. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So, like, my stand-up, like, stuff like that, where I where I like that you can point something out and so that people, they can identify with with it, they can laugh at it, they can laugh at the situation, but it also kind of highlights something that, you know, guys, we should, and uh, you know, with stand-up, most of it's that. To, to me, the best stand-ups are, um, they're telling the truth, they, they get to the truth some way, some shape or form, and they, it might sound silly or ridiculous, but if you're paying attention that what they're really talking about is the truth and what is the absurdity of like a, like a lot of the cancel culture that's going on, you know, some, some comedians, um, most comedians, they don't like the vibe of the cancel culture. And uh, it, it's not one of these things where... Comedians say, well, you should be able to say whatever you want. Nobody's ever said that and that is not true There's things like hate speech and there's no one has ever been able to fully say whatever they want But the point is you shouldn't have some people being able to use their thumbs on Twitter and misinterpret something you said and ruin your life and so When comedians have a backlash against something, it's generally not a political agenda It's just people artists who are saying, here's like the same way Bob Dylan would sing a song. I mean, he's not doing it to support uh, a certain cause. He's saying, this is what I think is the truth. And so comedians at the heart of it, the good ones anyway, are, are trying to tell what they think is the truth. And uh, that's why when there's pushback from comics one way or the other, you know, it's like, like comedians hated Nixon but they also don't necessarily like how uh, inflamed this cancel culture is. It doesn't mean they're right wing or left wing on any particular point in history. They're just trying to tell you hey, guys, let's look for the truth here. Stop being swayed by all this propaganda nonsense. You know what I mean? I don't. How did we get here, Spencer, to this particular line of talking that I'm doing? <laughs> this. It just doesn't sound much like cameras, does it? Uh,
0: Mark, is there a song that really uh, resonates with you from your childhood? So Maybe some, a song your parents played, maybe you heard on the radio, but for some reason you really have a vivid memory of uh, that song.
1: I changed my mind halfway through that sentence because I was just going to name stuff that um, I liked when I was a kid. But if you're talking about uh, songs that resonate... There was um, it's a, it's a song. What was it? It was a Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers song, uh, "Islands in the Stream," and uh, I didn't particularly like the song, but it's just my parents did, and so when that would come on, they would they would sing it, and so whenever that comes on, I'm it's like I'm seven years old again, and it's just it's uh, it's the weirdest thing. My my mom she also liked a uh, Charlie Pride as well so if I ever hear anything by him it's an immediate flashback but uh yeah it, it's it's just a, like I all of a sudden you're you're out you're camping in Terranova Park it's a famous um, national park in Newfoundland and you're you know your your mom is in in some camper singing along to some crappy radio so yeah that's, that's probably Islands in the Stream which is yeah, just completely out of left field. There's not a song I don't I don't dislike Kenny Rogers or Dolly Parton. It's just, but I don't know any of their musical catalog besides "The Gambler" and um and that one that uh what was this that Whitney Houston made famous? I will I will always love you. Yeah, yeah. It's a Dolly Parton song. Yeah, yeah.
0: But that's it. Anyway, there you go. And just kind of on a similar tangent, um. Uh... What was the first album you yourself purchased? Well,
1: uh, here is what I'll say. I am old enough so that uh, so that we, I was buying cassettes, and there was something called uh, um, oh, what was it? It was a, it was a service where they would send you cassettes in the mail, and you would get eight eight cassettes for one penny, and then you would buy the rest for the next year. And uh, there was that, but. The thing that sticks out is when when compact discs came in when I was I was a preteen I think when con- compact discs started. So, what I could say is the first ever album that I was responsible for purchasing was um, Nirvana Nevermind, which is a pretty as a pretty good. You you bought one album that your first purchase is one of the great, but. Unfortunately, my my Aunt Mary swooped in and got me my first ever compact disc and it was the the Michael Jackson Black or White album, which is not a bad album, but just doesn't make me sound anywhere near as cool as saying my first ever one was Nirvana. You know what, just edit that out. Put in Nirvana, just, (laughs) I've been cool from the beginning. I didn't listen to Black or White on a loop for hours and hours.
0: Uh, Alright, Mark. So, what are some of your interests outside of comedy and cameras? So, maybe, like, what 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 can you... What can we find you doing uh, with your... Off-line? Good lord. Good
1: lord. This is, you took up all of my hobbies with comedy and cameras. Um, yeah, I probably... Uh, hockey is... Um, I just... I'm an avid sports watcher and I really like... uh really like hockey. Not the surprise that the Canadian guy likes hockey. But um, between comedy cameras YouTube and hockey I mean that's it I have two kids so I don't um I don't do anything I like I should say I read books but I don't I want to I want one of my hobbies is wanting to read books yeah one one day I will I'll read a book it's gonna be great I am it's just like the so what I do is I spend my time, like cameras, there's, there's there's so many offshoots to the camera thing that, so I will, and the comedy thing, so one of the ways I got into the cameras, I don't know if this is a question I'm ruining for you later, but I one of the ways I got into the cameras is that I'm doing stand-up and I need to record the sets. Then I wanna record the audio um, and then I uh, and then all of a sudden, and then you want to do a short movie. Then you want to do a feature length film. And then, so I just liked learning about those things to do those things. And now I record comics albums they're, they're, uh, that they play on satellite radio. And I record clips for people. And, but like landscape photography is, is a hobby of mine. It's it's an offshoot. It's, not, it's something I don't, I don't really do it for the channel. I don't, but it's just something that I do. Most of my stuff. Revolves around either the kids or those two things, and and hockey.
0: I guess my follow up in terms of hockey: did you? Were you one of those people who played it all your life? And if so, yeah. what is your most uh, memorable moment on the ice?
1: Well, yeah, I played my whole life until they well, till they asked me to stop because uh, I would have kept going, but they said no, no, no. This is This is the professionals need to play now. And you, you are too old. Sit, sit at home. So, but when I was a kid, we were on a tournament and um, Wayne Gretzky, who is uh, certainly the greatest hero of my uh, young life, uh, Wayne Gretzky had scored a hat trick in the playoffs uh, the night before. So I said to my friend, Dennis, who was on the team, I said, Wayne Gretzky scored a hat trick, so I'm going to play well. And then I got a hat trick. And he, to this day, he lives across, he lives from Newfoundland, from my same town of 6,000. He lives across the street from me here in Toronto at 44 years of age. And uh, he tells that story still to other people. So, and uh, I think he has other parts of the story, but I do know he tells that story. So it is memorable, not just for me, but for, for him as well.
0: And hey, if anybody doesn't believe you, they can. you have someone to back you up, right?
1: That's right. And, and people generally don't. Like, he'll, he'll preface it. Don't worry. He'll, he'll say, listen, guys, I know that Mark sucks. You know, and we all know how terrible he was at most things. But this one day, so he, he'll always uh, throw that in.
0: All right, Mark, this next question is a little bit out there, but I think you'll come up with a nice creative answer. If you could travel back in time, Mark, and witness any events, you're kind of in a bubble. You're invisible. You're safe. What event do you go back in time to see?
1: Yeah, you know, that is interesting. Um, saying Gretzky winning the cup is probably not a good one. But so I'll go. You know what I would do is they they the, the people say about um, you know uh, that Jesus Christ. Uh, the those who believe in Jesus Christ that he stood on this particular place at a particular time and here's a time period where Jesus did all of the stuff so I now I it, it, whatever people want to believe that that is okay I just personally I don't have any beliefs so I would like to go back to that time period that people say happened and check it out and if they are right I'll eat my hat I'll say you know what fair enough that dude was there and he did that thing that you said he did, I would love to, and, and then if he didn't do it, then I would go, Well, see, oh, my light, oh, one of my lights went out. Did it? Oh, my hair light. Oh, it was Jesus Christ. It was, did you see one of my lights went off? Oh, man, is that a sign? Am I religious now? I'm just just, and I have lots of religious friends and I am, and they can do, believe whatever you want. I, since, but is what I'm saying is, since I don't know and I generally—I uh, well, describe myself usually as atheist, uh, but I'd be willing. I'm, I've i been wrong about most things in life, so I would like to go back and see if I'm right or wrong about that, and uh, I would change my views accordingly.
0: Yeah, that's that's great, and I love, love the answer because you'd be surprised how many people choose only to go back 10, 20 years when— they could go back, <laughs> back <when> my, anytime.
1: <laughs> back when my stomach was flat. Oh, those were the days.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just I just
1: don't want Jesus to turn off any more of my lights.
0: Yeah, we better change the topic pretty soon.
1: We better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get demonetized by YouTube now.
0: All right, Mark, we're going to switch pace. Slightly sh- faster questions, but if you want to elaborate 100%, sure. you, you feel free to. Sure. Uh, what is your favorite team, Mark?
1: Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: Are you a cat person or a dog person? Uh, I like both. I have a cat, but I'm more of a dog person. m ms or Smarties?
1: Both. All sugar. Love sugar.
0: Oh, uh, What's the one movie you've seen multiple times?
1: Barton Fink. It's a Coen Brothers movie.
0: Uh, and s- same with a TV show. What's one show you've maybe watched through several times?
1: Night Court and Seinfeld. Like it, I, it's just I say Night Court because Seinfeld and Friends and stuff. A lot of people will expect that, but stuff that really resonated with me back in the day. Uh, Night Court. Really like that show.
0: Uh, Mark, what is one food that reminds you of your childhood? Baloney. Uh one food you think everyone should try. Bologna. No, don't
1: try don't try bologna. Um try kale if you haven't. It's not that bad. It's it's it's, it's called a superfood and I've been trying to eat it to be a bit healthy and uh I prefer it to most almost any leafy green I've ever eaten kale is the best tasting. The baby kale, not the regular kale, baby kale.
0: Uh what's was your favorite book? as a child uh
1: if i go way back it's um there's a monster at the end of
0: this book with grover uh what's one book you think everyone should read i'm gonna say
1: either confederacy of dunces or um nausea one is an existentialist book Uh, And the other one is is, it's a comedy book that won a Pulitzer Prize. uh, A Confederacy of Dunces. It it won a Pulitzer Prize. Unfortunately, the guy who wrote it was so upset about how it wasn't good enough that he he didn't not he didn't make it. And uh, which really sucks because he had written one of the greatest books of all time. And uh, so, yeah, I just those two.
0: So, Mark, if you're going on a vacation, would you prefer it to be relaxing or adventurous? Oh,
1: relaxing. 100%. I hate doing stuff.
0: Uh, Most picturesque place you have been in the world?
1: Uh, Cambodia. Yeah. It was really, uh, really, really nice beaches.
0: Mark, if you had a sitcom, what would the theme song be?
1: I had written a theme song for my sitcom that I had planned when I was 17. Uh, it was called The Funny Show. And it was very quick. It was like Seinfeld. I just wanted it to be fast. It's a The Funny Show. And then just go straight into the show. You know, it's like it's like, like with YouTube and stuff. Like my intro is like, rap, rap, because that's what intro should be. Can't, be. can't be bothering people. Like they, back in the day when they used to have Perfect Strangers and stuff, the old sitcoms, like the theme songs were like a half an hour. Even like Friends and stuff. Way too long.
0: Let's get to it. All right, time to get to some camera questions, Mark. What do you remember? What your first camera was?
1: Uh, I had a, a little Samsung point and shoot. That was my first one.
0: Uh, what is your favorite camera of all time?
1: Um, it's probably this. It's the G7, the Panasonic G7. It's uh, it was the first one I bought. Uh my first mirrorless camera my son was not born he was we were in the um waiting area so we my wife it was a high-risk pregnancy so we had to wait for these specialized appointments so you'd have to wait up to seven hours for every appointment and we had to do one every two weeks i think and um so i had a lot of time in that sitting room and somebody told me when your baby's born Don't buy yourself a fancy camera and take a bunch of pictures. They'll be terrible. Hire a photographer and don't do that. So I immediately started researching cameras to buy because you don't tell me what to do. So I landed on the G7. It had just recently been released. And I was like, wait a second, there's two different types of cameras there's ones with mirrors and there's ones without mirrors. I don't understand. And it was because that was new back then it was like 2015 I was doing that type of research for this so then I got this guy so it was sentimental it t- it took great pictures it started my YouTube career with my other channel my comedy channel and um, yeah it-, it opened the whole world up so I uh, so yeah I got to give
0: it to the little g7 and on a similar note what is your favorite lens
1: 24 millimeter G master. You're looking at it right now. That's, uh, that's been, you know, like a lot of times you buy like lenses say this one's expensive and this one's a little bit more and this one's a thousand dollars and this one's $800. This is the first lens where I noticed the quality, you know, like where I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. This is a G master lens. And, um, it's, there are some lenses that are also quite good, but it's just like I was. I used to use the 35 a lot on the um, on the Sony cameras, and that's a great lens, but things just look different. Now, I mean, it's a different focal length. I'm aware of that, but it's uh, sometimes I shoot this, even when I shoot this on APS-C mode, and that gets me down to 36 millimeters, so very close to the 35, this still looks better, and it's... Uh, you know, it maybe it's because it's it goes down to 1.4 so by the time it's at F2, which is what I shoot at in my studio, maybe it sharpens up so crazy, it looks so much better, but but it's a G Master. It's supposed to be good. It's just that it's the first lens where I was like, yeah, damn, that is that is a nice lens. And uh you know, relatively speaking, not that expensive. It's um it, it's the cheapest G Master. It's like $1,300 in, in the States. And I got it on sale Christmas time for $1,100 from the States, from B&H Photo. Love BH Photo. I work with those guys. I don't work with them. They, they I I have an affiliate with them. And so like the guy is like, is there anything we can do? I'm like, what do you mean? I have affiliates with other people. No one's asking, for, no one's asking me, is there anything they can do for me? I was like, well, can you lend me some cameras and lenses? The guy was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, but I'm up in Canada. He goes, yeah, I'll ship them up there thank you so like i really really like H. that's why i mentioned them as much as i can because they're very cool and uh so yeah i got this lens there and uh eleven hundred dollars at the time and you know cameras are expensive and when it comes to spend eleven hundred dollars you can do that pretty easily do not regret the 24 millimeter purchase
0: all right mark if you could make a hybrid camera so taking the best from every brand, what would that camera be? That one... Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy.
1: It's mostly... That will mostly be Panasonic uh, GH5 and the Sony A7 IV. And, yeah, mostly that. I would also like it to have... You know what? Let's go... So mostly Panasonic GH5 or S5, take your pick, uh, mashed with the A1 because I also want more megapixels so that when I'm shooting photos, I can go into APS-C mode and still have, you know, over 20 megapixels. I would, I would like that. And now Canon, I mean, you can throw in Canon for, for ergonomics and, and, uh, It's just, I also like Panasonic's ergonomics and Panasonic are also, they have a slick operating system. They have good touchscreen. They have a lot of the things that Canon have, but a lot of people don't know because they don't use Panasonic's. But so I would say that the Canons are generally the most refined. So probably Canon handling, uh, Sony A1 focusing and uh, dynamic range, things like that and uh, the Panasonic video features, which are just bonkers.
0: Yeah, I can cannot disagree. I think Panasonic is so underrated with just... I'm, I recently switched to Sony, just this year, and just the menu system is so much worse yeah. than, uh, than it's, Panas- it- after coming from Panasonic. You're just so illogical.
1: This This G7, this G7 from 2015, which costs now about forty dollars, it has a it has a higher resolution touchscreen than my uh, A74 that you're looking at, and the menu is easier, better laid out, more responsive, brighter, nicer. It's this is like it makes. I, I've complained about it to Sony, to everyone who will listen. That Sony needs better screens and, and better menus, you know. It, but they they just they don't they don't care. Um, and I don't know. Like, I mean, they they do pack a lot of technology, and so maybe that would cause overheating, and maybe it would drive the price up just just too much. It beats me. They must have their reasons for doing it. Uh, but they, um, I just wish I just wish it would be better. But yeah, the Panasonic. My when I went from. The GH5 to the A7 III, I was really disappointed for a, quite a while. The thing is with the Sony's though, what happens is you end up um, all your footage works, it all looks good, and it's all in focus, and it all and all of a sudden you start going. And much as I don't like using it compared to the GH5, the GH5 was ruining so many of my shots. And uh, and it was making it so difficult. Like even this, like you know, just just this, like every little time I had to do anything, even not, I still use the GH5 in the studio. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take my phone, I'll tap to focus, and then I'll stay in one place. And then it, you know, like if you're trying to do product shots and B-roll and all that stuff, it's just such a pain in the butt. But if Panasonic, if they had had, the phase detect autofocus with the GH5 back in the day, we wouldn't even be talking about Sonys and Canons for video. Like it would just, everybody would be a Panasonic shooter because then they would have switched to full frame Panasonic and then they would have still had the good autofocus with all their video features. Even now, if Panasonic were to take the S5 and make it the S5 II and have phase detect autofocus, Canon and Sony would lose like 20% overnight. It would just because they're so great, and there's so many people like me and you who've used them who went, I just, I wish I didn't have to leave you, but but I do.
0: Definitely. I think Panasonic is losing on the solo YouTube creator just because if you're in front of the camera and you need autofocus, I mean, yes, you there are workarounds for the Panasonic, but at the end of the day, it's nice to just turn on your camera and not have to worry about your focus at all.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, and, and, you know, and, sony won't stop with the lens selection it's so good and you know and, and and then um with the autofocus, it's just it's also not just for the video but like for your photos and your burst rate like you um if you're watching the olympics or something like that uh, the the booth with all of the camera guys is canon and sony you know like and nikon um now especially with the z9 and stuff but the uh But prior to Nikon starting a resurgence, all you see for the last decade is Sonys and Canons and and Panasonic, even though they have full frame cameras and stuff like that, still it's just not not great for sports photography and and things like that yet. So um, they've got... but they could have... but they're so good at video. They really... it's just... I think they underestimated... That um, the whole YouTube-ness, like, you know, like a lot of times if if I'm commenting on, if I do a Panasonic video and I'm saying, you know, it'd be nice to have autofocus, you get some people who are angry. I don't know why they're, they're angry, but they're angry and say, like, you don't need autofocus. I'm like, I'm sure you don't, but it's really, really useful. And so that means when I'm plunking down $3,000 Canadian. I'll go with the one that has good video features and good autofocus, as opposed to the one that has slightly better video features and no autofocus to speak of. So, yeah, I mean that's that's what is what I have to do. Sorry. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I this is this is something my wife says to talk too much. So let's 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 move let's move it along. We'll move around move around your because uh, you know you can't be posting like hour long conversations. Plus, I gotta I gotta go out and and do a. I got a Sony sixteen to thirty five. I got to send it back. I was supposed to send it back tomorrow, but it's Canada Day, so I'm like, "Sony, the mail is closed tomorrow." And they were like, "All right, keep it till Saturday," but, but it's a man, the time crunch that you're under half the time is so ridiculous.
0: No, it seems like you've gotten a lot of lenses lately. Uh, the amount of content you're releasing recently with all oh, the lenses and and the lights, it's it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a lot. I'm just trying to basically, I'm trying to. You, I, I could take more time and, and wrap more to get. I just I like shooting out the video. Here's here's one lens. Let's talk about this lens, and I'll do some comparisons to. But I tried to do too much. I think with the Sony lenses because they sent me three, and then I tried to compare them to every comparable wide-angle lens that's offered for the APS-C system. So it's a total of seven videos. I only had two weeks, and then halfway through the two weeks. Uh, they sent me the 16 to 35 G for full frame. So now I've got that. And then I had light that came in the same time. And it's just like, so, you know, trying to do literally 10 videos in two weeks is, uh, it's a lot. It's too much, too much. That's why they're, that's why they're such poor quality.
0: All right. So just, we're going to wrap up these camera questions just really quickly, Mark. Uh, who's your favorite camera YouTuber?
1: I guess I gotta go with, you know what? I was gonna say Gerald Undone, and he's, cause he's just, I mean, he's, he's just so smart, you know, like uh, that's, he, he, he doesn't, he, 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 no stone is left unturned, and I appreciate that. But, so I'll watch every one of Gerald's for sure. But in terms of favorite, it's probably Potato Jet. It's, um, if there's anybody, people used to say in my comments all the time, I trying to be camera conspiracies, you loser. They would, people said that to me a lot and they were angry about it. And I would say, I, I love Casey, uh, but, but that is not my, I mean, if anything, I kind of. I wouldn't mind being a hybrid of, say, Casey and a Gerald, where you have more more information, more technical, more gear reviews, but you do it where you don't take it so seriously. I would take that comparison for sure. But really, but when you look at it, Potato Jet is, you know, it's just I'll never be Potato Jet because he was a was and sort of is still, but it's just YouTube takes up all his time now. But he was a working professional in, in Los Angeles. So, you know, I'm never going to move back to LA and I'm not going to be working on productions or sets. I'm still, I'm probably mostly going to do my own things. So I, uh, I'll never fully be Potato Jet. So probably, probably let's go back to the earlier. I'm, I'm, I would be a hybrid between Camera Conspiracies and Gerald Undone. That would sort of be ideal for what I'm doing for now. Anyway, I may eventually morph this into a landscape channel because I love Oh, yeah, scratch all that. This is, It's all. I will say this, because people, people expect camera conspiracies. They expect Potato Jet. They expect Gerald Undone. Let's put a pin in that and say, I love all those guys to death. Love them. They, if they met me, they'd be creeped out by how much I like them. However, um, my favorite has uh, got to be Photo Tripper. It's, uh, his name is Gavin Hardcastle. He is a um, British... Uh, landscape photographer who lives in Canada. He just recently moved to Nova Scotia. He was living in Vancouver uh, and he releases, every Sunday he releases about a half an hour uh, landscape video and they are also silly as hell. He is a very silly person who makes very funny videos, but he is also an excellent landscape photographer. I I bought his book. It's on on one of my shelves. I look through it all the time. Um, He is yeah, that guy. So there you go. My favorite YouTuber is Photo Tripper Gavin Hardcastle.
0: And what is one piece of gear that you think is overrated and one piece of gear that you think is underrated? Okay, so let's go underrated.
1: Underrated first, I'll say, is uh, this color checker here. This thing is. One of the reasons I I have to go after this and go shoot something for my Sony 16-35 to video is because I didn't use this, and my white balance is all off. It's green. It looks awful. So now I have, because I use this almost, I would say 99% of the time, it's just, I thought I had my white balance set from a previous shot, And I didn't think the light had changed, so I was wrong. The light had changed, and my whole footage is green, and you can shift the color, but it never looks right. You know, and when you're a camera channel talking about how good a lens is, you can't have it looking not good enough. So I have to reshoot that. And why is that? Because I didn't use my little color checker. This thing is, you can, you, and in fact, if I had to, if I didn't have time to go, Reshoot that because I had if I had had this in the shot I could have readjusted my colors and fixed it and it also has a little white balance thing and a focus chart This is for your Panasonic users uh, focus and then uh, this is to get your white balance and uh, You can also white balance on this later, but you get the white balance in camera And so this very very underrated about 130 bucks and easily easily the best 130 bucks I have ever spent in terms of cameras. I could have used this as underrated, too. This is going to get an honorable mention. It's a little plastic Ulanzi thing, and uh, it's a little it's a little tripod, but the geniuses for the vlogging is it extends. So you can always get that little bit of reach when it's a bit too tight, and so I love this thing. Honorable mention for underrated Ulanzi tripod. Okay, overrated. This is, this is tough. I love everything. You know, I would have said gimbals a little while ago, but I've really gotten into gimbals. So uh, they have been quite helpful, especially with the Sony and the bad stability. And uh, really, really like shallow depth of field. Let's go with that. Wait, is that a piece? Of, you know, you said a piece of gear. You said a piece of gear. I'm just looking... I, I am looking around my studio for pieces of gear that I think are... I don't buy things that are crappy. But uh, let's see. Piece of gear over in... in. You know what? I'm going to say sliders. I, I, I know there's a huge pause there, but I'm assuming you can edit that in post. I'm going to say sliders. I do like sliders and I do use them, but I thought I would use them more then I do use them because it, it's it's bulky, it's big, and you, and you gotta take it around and you gotta set it up. And now uh, my, I'm renovating my garage and I plan to put like a studio out there and I will put a slider on a tripod and I will leave it there and that will help me do some of my B-roll shots. So I will definitely still use it, but um, for a lot of people who wanna get into YouTube or, or content creation, a lot of times, people buy a slider pretty early on and i find that you won't use it early on especially for but they they can be extremely useful but you don't need them really for anything but you it's nice to have it's a nice to have and not a necessity
0: all right mark i feel like you maybe kind of touched upon this in your other answers but uh what is what is your youtube story what got you into it and how's the experience been for you
1: uh yeah so I I was for the comedy I wanted to do a YouTube channel to help um, my stand-up career more or less uh, and, and and I just like I just like making videos so I kind of wanted to do that but then I realized um, pretty quickly that I actually like the gear more. Than I like making videos about comedy, like the comedy videos about stand-up. It's quite uh, niche, and there's not there's not a ton of views. There wasn't a ton of interest. The people who like it really like it, but it's it doesn't have mass appeal, and it's difficult. To do the stand up because you gotta if you're filming comedians you gotta ask them ahead of time you gotta lug all the gear to the club you gotta and then and then it's dark and all the green rooms and it's hard you gotta set up lights and 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 all for these little YouTube videos that very few people are watching and if the comedians if they tell jokes on stage and you show that then now I gotta ask them is it okay to to broadcast your jokes on YouTube and uh, some of them have recordings so so then there's copyright issues there's all kinds of reasons why. Uh, making the comedy videos is a bit tricky. And um, and also I'm at the club and usually because, you know, I, when they see me in the club, they're like, Mark Bennett, we got to get him up on stage. He's amazing. But I, I usually, when I go to clubs, is because I know the club pretty well and they will usually ask me to go do stand-up. So now I've got to worry about doing a set with all that gear around while I take pictures of other people and blah. So all that to say I was thinking, you know what I'd really just like to do? Is make videos about the gear itself. And that was starting to get quite popular around the time um, when I was thinking that, around 20, 2016 or so. People started, uh, guys like Gerald Undone started popping up and and uh, Casey Neistat was making everything popular. And so I was just, yeah. So I, I, uh, I just thought one day, you know, I was living in an apartment and it was small, so I didn't have a lot of room. I was thinking when I moved to a house, I will start, uh, doing stuff about cameras, and uh, that's what I did. As soon as we moved to this house, I set up this little studio, and then it's just been nonstop. And um, yeah, I like I like making the videos. I mean, I, I I do a little I do a little too much right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to slow down a bit. I can't do a video every day or two. It's a, it's quite ridiculous. And um, but it's just when they've been sent a lot of gear, I'd like to get it out. And I like the channel is growing right now, and I'm trying. You know, YouTube, they like to beat you down. So I, uh, I'm trying to harness, like at first, you know, it's like, oh, you're getting 50 subscribers a day. And then YouTube is like, yeah, well, now it's 20 subscribers a day. And now it's 10 a day because you didn't post a video in four days. So like you're just, you're constantly swimming upstream. Yeah, I work 10 times harder now to get the same numbers that I got 10 months ago. You know what I mean, and and I know they're doing that on purpose. I know that's their whole algorithms mentality, but that's what, so. Right now, I'm kind of trying to break it. I just they they cap you. If you look at your numbers, they like um, you you go to a, a Tube Buddy. And you can see other people's numbers compared to your numbers. You know, say say like a like a Chris Howe, You know, he's getting 150 subscribers a day every day straight line. Well, that's impossible unless of course they're capping him. They show his videos enough to get 150 subscribers, and then that's it. And for me, it was at first it was 10, then it was 20. I got to 50 at one point. Then they dropped me back down. And now with all these influx of videos I'm doing, it's 50 again. But 50 straight line. Chris How 150, me 50 straight line because. It's clearly a math equation that they're doing. So I'm kind of trying to break that math equation by an onslaught of videos about popular products, hoping that one or a few of them kind of get more views than YouTube expects and they stop banging my head off that 50 ceiling because that's what they've been doing for three weeks now, just straight across.
0: So obviously, Mark, like making videos, like making videos about yeah. gear, but what aspect of photography or videography do you enjoy the most?
1: So photography, uh, I like taking pictures of the family and uh, landscapes. Um, And in terms of videography, I, I really like it when I make interviews for like the comics and stuff look professional. You know, these are guys like me. They're going to the club uh, to some beer swilling club there, where they're paying you like a hundred bucks to do, you know, your set and 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 it's you know it's it's fun, but like it's not uh, you're not at a theater. You know, you're, like you you're just out a very blue collar type vibe to the clubs, and then so. When you, when you can show them the interviews that you do with them, where they're just sitting down in this rinky-dink club and it looks like a documentary. I like, I like that. I like, I like being able to take what is, you know, pretty regular gear, which is not cheap, of course, it's not free, but it's it's stuff that we can get as regular consumers. You know, we're not buying Aria lexus but we can buy, you know, a GH5. And to be able to make it look like something that people have seen on TV, I, I, I like that a lot. I mean, that's the whole, almost the whole premise of the channel, really. It's just, guy. Uh, I, I want to review gear and, and show people lenses and cameras and mics and lights, but I want to show them in a way where they think, well, that looks good enough to be on TV, what that guy is doing right now. Because what, how can I tell you, hey, this is a good lens if the video looks like, you know, your 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 Aunt Mary taped it with a camcorder, you know what I mean?
0: Uh, Mark, do you have a dream collaboration? It doesn't necessarily have to be with someone on YouTube, but I guess that would make more sense, but someone you'd like to work with.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Potato Jet and iPhone-do and um, yeah, Patrick uh, Tomaso. I like that guy a lot. We we communicate back and forth a little bit in the comments section, so I think he'd be fun to hang out with. He's a guy here in Toronto. Gerald, of course. Uh, I've talked to Gerald a little bit because of I was... Uh, Editing one of his things, I he was he was vying he was trying to get an editor for the podcast with Josh Yo, and I was one of the people in that process. So we communicated back and forth a little bit, and uh, he seems like a good guy. Um, people think that I, I get a lot. You should uh, do a collaboration with Camera Conspiracies, but I, you know, he just. I don't know what he'd be like as a human being in real life. I mean, I'm I'm hoping he'd be great, but I would be fearful that uh, I would show up and he would not like me. You know what I mean? Like, because he's so he's so critical about so many things. Like, what if he hates me and my channel? You know, I I just I just assume that. So so why? But if he liked me, sure, that'd be a great collaboration. Sure. And the
0: last mark is. What is one thing you'd like to achieve in your lifetime and this is not limited to YouTube but just life in general. Um okay now I'm not
1: I'm not trying to sound morbid here uh but it's things have changed dramatically for me my my when i was young what i wanted more than anything was to be matthew perry on friends so my whole idea for starting stand-up and all these things was i'll get on tv i'll be on a sitcom and i'll write that sitcom as well like whether matthew perry seinfeld take your pick but i was down in los angeles and i've been on tv a few times and i have some friends who run tv shows and like i I know the world, that world, and it's, it's not that great, it's, you know, like you would expect when you get into stuff, I mean, there's a lot of sitting around, and there's a lot of fighting, and there's a lot of interference, and, and a lot of self-doubt, and um, it, it's not, and travel, and you're never home, and you're always off on set, you know those, the guys who did Lord of the Rings, they lived in New Zealand for like three years if somebody asked me to live in New Zealand for three... There's no amount... I don't dislike New Zealand. But I'm just saying there's no amount of money that would get me to leave home for three years. It's just not going to happen. So anyway, the point is... Um, those used to be my goals. And now my goals are... I have, I have two kids. I want them to grow up uh, happy and healthy. And I want to be around long enough to have to see them happy and healthy till until they're about 30. So that would be... Um, My youngest is three. And so 27 years from now is 64. I'll be 71. So if I can make it to 71 and those guys be happy and healthy, that is that's that's it. Like, I I'm one of those people who and I'm I'm glad about it. I I'm not going to be one of the deathbed people. It was like, if only I had I had I pursued stand up when I was young because I knew I needed to do this. I need to pursue stand-up. I need to pursue a career in in film and television and entertainment. I have to do, and I did do that. And I still work as a comic, but I I don't. Of course, I it it I don't love it the way that you would need to to sacrifice your life to it. Uh, I I still consider myself at my core a. Stand up, a comedian, and uh, I don't think that'll ever change. Even if I retire from stand up, I it's it's who I feel like I am, and that uh, so so that would have been a giant regret of mine if I hadn't done it. So I have done the things that I was really hoping to do when I and remember, like I, I mentioned, my age I'm forty four. I'm not a spring chicken, so like I have done. I've done my things that um, I thought I needed to do, and now I don't want to do, like, I, if some, I, I could work harder at stand-up, and I could do more theater tours, and I could, I could uh, you know, nudge my more famous friends to drag me along on certain things and get more popular myself, but all of that is going to lead to way more time on the road, way more time in hotels, and, and I know how it goes, and it's okay. And if, if you're a single person, it could be a nice party. But even a single person, you know, you get tired of traveling when you're in your mid-30s and your 40s. And it's it's just, it's a lifestyle like a musician. I'm sure most musicians would tell you the same thing. It's a lifestyle that's better suited for you when you're a bit younger. And as you get older, you're looking for ways where, how can I stay home more, not go places? So some of the YouTube... So when you're saying what's your dream, it's that, to grow the kids up uh, happy and healthy, live until I'm 71, and have things like my hobbies, like YouTube and cameras and stuff, pay the bills in a way where I'm comfortable. Where So I just, I wake up every day and my, the way I make money is doing stuff I like, which fortunately for me has always been the case since my 20s because that's I used to make all of my money doing stand-up uh, and TV and now I make some of it doing stand-up and TV and some of it doing camera related things so um, I'm I'm good and a hundred thousand subscribers I <laughs> like a hundred thousand subscribers I won't be satisfied I'm sure if I ever get there but that is what I want right now
0: fair enough. Uh, Mark, can you let everyone know where we can find you on YouTube and just other social media?
1: Um, Social media, I don't do enough of that to mention it, really. I'm too old. But um, I just... Mark Bennett's camera crisis. I mean, I also have a Twitter and an Instagram of those two things, but I don't ever post there, so there's really no need. So just uh, where you can find me is YouTube for the camera stuff. And um, if you want to listen to my comedy or my podcast about stand-up comedy then you can go to the d-h-e that's my website for comedy and uh i have a podcast that i haven't updated in a few months but but it's coming it's coming
0: all right mark it's been a pleasure getting to know you and like i'm a big fan of the channel so it's it's really cool to be talking to you right now so thank you for your time and uh letting everyone know a little bit more about yourself
1: All right. Well, I hope I didn't bore you guys too much.
0: Thanks again to Mark for joining me for the interview. Please make sure to check out Mark on YouTube. Thanks so much for listening, and please make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts today. I'm Spencer, and I'll catch you on the next episode of This and Chat.